Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to Why Not Me, Turning Trials into Triumphs, Seeking and Embracing Success. I am so grateful that you tuned in today. Thank you. Uh, I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. We've got an awesome guest today, Mike Bodie, and Mike was introduced by a mutual friend. Um, so I'm going to let him fill in the blanks. Here's what I know. I, Mike uh, is self-described as just your average guy, uh, but I know that he is a person, he's a man of faith. And that's uh, probably first and foremost, I would share that. I know that he's a leader in his organization and, and in the work he does. Um, and from from our conversation uh, last week on, on the phone, I, I just know that he ha- is, he's got an amazing story on, on his journey, uh, just kind of his life journey and what's, what's brought him here. So super grateful for Mike to be here with us. And I hope you all enjoy it with that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't give a lot. So Mike, please fill in some blanks for the listeners. Welcome. Well, well, Todd, thank you so much for for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. It's, it's a privilege to, to be on with you and just to share a little bit of my story. Um, as you mentioned, Mike Bodie, and so I am a sales leader within a company organization here. Um, and so I've been probably a sales leader now for the last eight years, been in sales for over 25 plus years. So that probably dates my age a little bit, but a father of three daughters uh, on my second marriage, and so we've been married now for four years. My oldest daughter has three, three kids. I have two grandsons and a granddaughter. Uh, my middle daughter is she's in a journey of life, and then I have my youngest daughter who is at college, finishing up her early um, early education degree. So that's a little bit about me. And as you mentioned, just the average Joe, and and I just I just go with it from that perspective. Awesome. In in the twenty five years you've been in sales, um, what are what are some things you've learned about just about relationships, building relationships? Like, um, yeah. No, I think that when you're thinking of relationships, and as you mentioned earlier at the very beginning, I am I am I am strong in my faith. Not always perfect, by no means. But relationships are key, and when you're looking at sales, and if you're looking at any type of th- anything that you're really doing, it starts with a relationship. And what does that relationship look like? Because most of the time when you're going into working with a client or if you're working with someone you just met or you're meeting someone, what is what is that aroma that you're putting off? And so when people see you, what are they seeing right at the beginning? Are they seeing love? Are they seeing someone who's going to listen? Or are they going to see someone where they're more interested about talking about them or are they listening to what they have to say? So when you think of sales and you think of leadership, 
And I, and I think about your title, Why Not Me? You know, what is, where do you go with that? And in being in sales, what does that really truly look like? And again, I, I tie it back to sales, but it goes in any walk of your life. To when you're looking at the relationship, how does that relationship look to you and to the other person? Does that make sense? Where I'm, what I'm saying? I think I think so. Um, so how do you how do you assess that? Like like when you're thinking about how it looks to you, how it looks to them. Is is there is it a gut feeling? Is there a process or a mental checklist? I think a couple of things. When I go into, let's just say I'm meeting someone for the first time. You know, I, I use this quote, and this actually quote came, from, and I probably will mess it up. Um, it actually came from Quint Studer. He was a mentor of mine. And he said, always remember, be more interested than interesting. Uh, and so when I think about that, I think about that a lot of times when a relationship. I want to be more interested in that person, not interesting. I'm not going to talk about myself. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit about, you know, what are saying things that describe me, which is hard because I'm not always talking about myself. I'm more interested in what you do or what that person does. What's their family look like and what's their dynamic and so forth. So it's more about that relationship is asking questions and the better questions you ask, the more you're going to learn about the person. Because at the end of the day, people want to talk about themselves, not in a bad way, but people want you to know about their family. People want you to know about their jobs. People want you to know about certain things. So it goes back, are, are you being interested or are you being interesting? That's a great point. I recently read a book, um, and I won't get this exactly right, but I'm going to try and sum it up really quickly. And they share a story in the book about this, this uh, journalist who met two candidates that were running for some, some national office. And she said after meeting with the first one, having lunch with him, she thought he was the most interesting person in the world and then met the other candidate later. And after spending a lunch and an out few hours with him, she thought she was the most interesting person in the world. And the, the, the candidate that made her feel the most, feel like she was interesting, of course, went on to, to win the election, the position. So I think you bring a good point in being intentional about um, being interested in what the other person is, who they are. Um, and with and with that, and that's a great point that you bring up. You know, when you when you think about that, because there's a book called it's called The Energy Bus. It's by John Gordon. So it's an older book. It was written, I think, in 2010, and it just talks about the lady that actually drove the bus. Her name is Joy, and so the the character of the bus, I mean, the character of, of the book, is just struggling with a lot of different things. But Joy, the driver of the bus, continues just to ask questions of this gentleman and continue to allow him to see different things. To come to find out, to remember that people are attracted to the energy that you provide. So what energy are you providing to the others around you? Is it positive energy or is it negative energy? So when you are being more interesting, I mean interested, you're bringing a positive energy. So people relate to you in a different way from there. I'm not saying that you're going to be best friends, but the conversation is going to go a lot different way than if you're being, if you have the negative energy and where sometimes people look at when you talk about yourself the whole time and it's all about you and here's what you're doing. And this is what this is, this, then it's a negative type energy and people will shun away from it and just, mm, okay. And they'll turn their direction and go a different way. And what opportunity are you missing to share with a person? 
or to have a conversation? So the fact that we're all, you know, there's, there's energy, it's positive and negative. And I've, I've had this conversation with my son and, and other people, like we're all leaders. If, if, you know, uh, I'm, John Maxwell says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So anytime we're interacting, we're in a leadership position. We, we've got the, you know, you and I right now interacting, you're influencing me in some way, whether I, whether it's profoundly and consciously or subtly um, and, and vice versa. So I think it's important that we uh, are aware of that and then just consciously we make the choice to bring positive energy. Otherwise, we're doing a disservice to whoever is in front of us. No, absolutely. So when, so when I take this back into the leadership side of it, and you and you nailed it right on. You nailed it. Is we're all in a leadership role some way somehow. You may not have a title that says local sales manager behind your name, and titles are irrelevant in my opinion. But it's how your actions. What are your actions look like? Right? Actions speak louder than words. So we all are leaders in some way. So I, when I think of this, and I think of this conversation, and I think about you know why not me. So for many years, I've always, okay, why am I not the next leader? Why did I get overlooked from a position or whatever it may be? And we all find ourselves in those situations somehow. It's, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready yet. I thought I was. But I will just tell you, for me and my faith, you know, God wasn't ready for me to be there yet. And when that position finally came to a point to where I was ready and I went into that role, there was still a lot for me to learn. And so there's a book that I read. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was called Lead Like Jesus. And so when I read this book, I thought about, you know, what? A, and I look at it and I share this a lot of times when, I, when I'm speaking outside of uh, from work and different platforms on the leadership is. You know, I'm not looking at saying that everyone's got to, you know, follow Jesus, right? So everyone has different perspectives and different life where they're at in their life. And I, and I always use this for an example. I'm like, just, just think of it this way. We can all agree that Jesus walked the earth. There's, there's, there's history. There's data that shows he walked the earth. Um, no matter if you believe in how it looked or what it looks like, we can all agree with that. And a lot of times the audience will say, yeah, you know, they'll raise their hand, they'll clap. But I'm like, think of it this way. Jesus actually got six grown men to follow him without really even knowing him. And how did he do that? And I say six. I mean, there was 12. There was multiple. But, you know, when I look at that is what did he do different? He led by love. He led by example. No one always agreed. I mean, his own disciples didn't agree with him. But he continued to look at it and lead in a way to where he led by love. So when I look at a sales organization and I look at the, where I'm at today, I try to lead in a way where I love my team. You know, if you think of organizations and corporate organizations, you know, HR would have a fit if I was going around hugging everyone and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. But my team sees and knows that I do love them. And I love them in a way because I want to help them become better today than they were yesterday and better tomorrow than they are today. And I do that by what? Asking questions, diving in, understanding what their needs are, what they look like. So that's the work perspective. But we can apply that same perspective in our walk daily, 
with people who are around us on the streets, people who we interact with at different um, meetings, whatever it may be, what is that energy that you're putting off? What is that that people are going, there's something different about that person? And what is it? Well, it could be the positive thought process, the positive energy that you're putting off because you're more interested than interesting. So when did you, so as, as you're talking and um, you bring up you know, some, some great points um, and, and it's, you know, it, treating everybody with love and, you know, and how do you go about that? And you mentioned, you know, in the workplace, obviously you can't, uh, can't hug everybody all the time. Um, but there's this, how do you show love and still um, at times have those difficult conversations? Um, because there's, there's finding that balance. So how do you, how do you, how do you walk that line? So I think it goes back to, it goes back to the, you know, the ultimate commandment that, that, that we're given is to love others the way I loved you. And what does that look like? So let me give you an example. So I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago, and we both sit on different political views. And we're having this conversation, a great brother of mine, we love each other, we're having these conversations. And we're not always going to agree on the political stance where he's not going to agree with me, I'm not going to agree with him. But at the end of the day, we're going to have a solid conversation. But we're going to be respectful and love each other to be able to understand we are going to disagree, but where's that commonality that we can agree on? Now, that's one perspective. But what if you're having a perspective, having a conversation to where, you know what? Here it is. Here it is the, it's in black and white. Here it is. It's right or wrong. And you're having to have that hard conversation. You have to also look at it as, remember, I'm having this conversation because I love you and I want better for you. And so let's, instead of me telling the person that this is wrong or whatever it may be, that hard conversation that I have to have, it's more so... Tell me your thoughts behind it. Tell me a little bit more of why you think the way you think or why did you do the thing that you did or what is it that you see? So it's me understanding them. And so the more I get to understand, the more the conversation I can have because now it becomes a two-way conversation instead of a one-way conversation. And we have a tendency Especially, and I and I put, and I'm gonna I'm gonna probably make a lot of listeners upset, and I, I apologize up front. I'm gonna use a a, a a wide paintbrush. Christianity's bad about this. It's here's the box, here's the box you have to fit in, and it's all of a sudden sometimes a downward conversation. Well, take Christianity out of it for a second, and put yourself into. The, the sandals or the shoes of the way Jesus led. There was no top-down conversation. It was to tell me more. Help me understand. Let's have this conversation. Yes, he was, you know, yes, he had to have hard, hard conversations and he was there, but he did it in a loving way. And we can do those same things in a very loving way to have the conversations to remember that if you're leading a sales organization, you're going to have hard conversations. And if you're sitting around with friends and y'all have different viewpoints on different things, 
there's going to be hard conversations, but you have to do it in a way where you can both agree to disagree, but yet realize you're having this conversation to learn more about each other, not to say who's right, who's wrong. That's the tendency that we seem to go to. And I just, and again, when I say we, I'm putting us all in the same box. We have a tendency to say, this is my way, so this is the right way. Well, it goes back to, you know, it's a method I use in leadership. If I ask you what four plus zero or four plus zero, you would say what? I'd say four. So two plus two is what? Four. Three plus one is? I, I'd come up with four again. Come up with four again, right? And so when you think about that, there's three different ways to come up with four. But we have to be open to it. We have to be able to sit back and listen. So it goes back to listening. And I'm not sure if I've answered your question or kind of tiptoed around it. But that's how I look at it when I'm having hard conversations with either or within a sales organization with my team or with um, friends, family, and so forth on the personal side. Yeah, that's awesome. I, a bunch of things, thoughts come to mind. But um, you know, one of the things, I just had this conversation last week. Uh, uh, somebody was sharing with a group of young professionals uh, that I'm part of. Not that I'm one of the young ones that, anymore, but anyhow. Um, and he, he shared how, and he was talking about his relationship with his with his children, and whether it's your your children, because I think it's super applicable there, but also you know with with your team, employees, whatever you mentioned, you know, getting to know them, even in the hard conversations, like asking them questions. And what he shared with us was he, for a lot of years, he'd been all about the truth. And you talked about that box, like this is the way it is. This is the truth. This is how we ought to be, or this is what we should do. This is what you did wrong. And and one day it just came to him. He, he just was convicted that it's it's grace and truth. And and without that grace piece, you really tend to alienate people. Where you know, and what you just described, asking them about it, getting to know what what do you think about it. That's where the grace comes in in that relationship building. I think so. Anyhow, as you're talking, it just there's been a couple different. This is number three this week where this is kind of the same theme, uh, which tells me I need to pay attention because usually when it happens that many times, God's trying to trying to tell right. me something. <laughs> oh, so when did you know? So you've been you've been in a leadership position for about eight years. Did did you know it? that you're ready or did somebody, somebody else say, okay, Mike, it's, it's time that you step up to it. So how did that transition take place? So my former um, boss left, she, um, she retired. And so that position came open. And so our director of sales at the time came to me and said, are you ready? And I said, I feel that I am. And so I interviewed, so it wasn't something that was given to me. It wasn't, I had to interview against a couple of other people and I had the opportunity to go into that role. Now, I will tell you, probably the first two years was the hardest part of it. And the reason why, when you go from being on a team to leading the team, mm. it's a very difficult challenge. And I speak to that, and that's that's a whole other conversation of what that looks like. But it, it was a struggle because there's that fine line because now your peers remembered you as the person on the team. And all of a sudden now they're looking at you as their boss, right? So I put that in quotations because I'm, I don't look at it as a boss, but you're also trying to find that balance and what that looks like. So my first two years was, it was a very, 
a, a challenge. I work with young leaders today that are uh, transitioning into leadership or coming into a team that they were on. And so that being said, you know, my boss at the time, my director of sales, you know, looked at me and came into it and said, hey, are you ready? Now, I will, I will tell you that even though I thought I was ready, he thought that I was ready. I really wasn't ready mentally. Um, hmm. I mean, at the time I was going through a divorce, uh, at the time there was a lot of challenges that I was dealing with. Uh, I dealt, I was dealing with, um, depression and anxiety that I didn't know that I was dealing with. And so it all ties back into one of the things I, I circled it all back around to what I just discussed about being more interested in the person than interesting is because if it wasn't for someone at the time being more interested in me than interesting, I don't know if I'd be sitting here today. And that being said, to where I'm a big component, or, or I say spokesperson, but not really a spokesperson, but someone who really stands up tall and says, hey, mental health is an issue. And as I walked through that journey to where I ended up with a nine millimeter in my hand, and, I mean, there was a lot of things that I walked through that I tied all back to my leadership role. And I tie it back to my walk because what if that person wasn't interested in me? Would I share what I was going through? Because at that time is what helped me get to where I'm at today. And so as I was stepped into a role to answer your questions, I stepped into that leadership role that my boss thought I was ready. I thought I was ready. There was still a lot of growing that I needed to do internally on my personal side that I didn't know I was, I, I was about to walk through. So the leadership side of it really helped me walk through that journey that I didn't know I was going to walk through, but it was the hardest journey I've ever walked through. And there's a lot in there. <laughs> well, isn't it? So there's a person there that was pivotal, right? And, and what, right. what comes to mind, I'm just thankful. You know, as I think back on my journey, and maybe with, with you, it's not just one person, but I once I, I prepared a speech and I don't think I ever gave it, but talking about our spiritual guardrails and like every time, every time I started to sway or, or drift one too far one way or another, God got arranged some divine appointment. And sometimes it seemed insignificant. Sometimes it was very significant, but um, much to your story, you had, I would call it this person, uh, one of your guardrails came along and was interested in, in you and allowed you to, to express what you were going through and, and grow through it. So, um, I share that uh, hoping that somebody listening knows that there's a there's somebody you're going to meet wherever you're at that's going to help you help you step forward and move forward. Um, no, so. no, absolutely, and I would you know I would share with the listeners too. Remember, you could be that person. You could be that person that the person the next person you walk into that you're more interested in. You have no idea what that person's walking through. So it goes back to something you you mentioned at the very beginning. We're all leaders, yeah. but the leadership looks differently for each person. And so, how do you how do you address it? What does it look like? Are you sitting back listening to the things that are holding you back as a person and as a leader? But always remember, there's someone else who is looking for you for advice. Yeah, I heard. Uh, uh, I'm in a peer group, and there's one of the people has said numerous times, like 
there, there's somebody going to bed tonight praying for what you have to offer. And, uh-huh. and it, it could be just a, a smile. It could be a handshake, a hug, or a really sincere, hey, Mike, how are you? Like, how are you doing? Uh, it, it it gives us all a little bit of, the, there's some responsibility that goes with it. Like we, we no. go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. I didn't want to step on you there. You're absolutely right. That there is responsibility that goes with that. And I, and I know, I don't want to, I know we're, you know, we want to be, respect, I want to be respectful of the time, but to give you a, just a quick story real quick to how that, what that looks like is I go back to, there was, I, I was, I was at a speaking engagement and I was speaking on mental health and I had the opportunity to speak and I was sharing my story and I was sharing my story of the walk, um, what I went through, how, and it was a group of um, married couples that I was speaking to of, you know, what looks and you know just different marriage situations and all this other stuff that I was talking about. And at the end of the, at the end of my, um, the session, this gentleman walks up to me and he has tears in his eyes and I could see him coming. And I was talking to some other people and I, I just saw this, this gentleman coming up to me and I was like, uh, okay, this is going to be interesting. I'm not sure what I said, what, you know, where, where, where's this about to go? And as I turned, he looked at me and he had this, this look in his face and he said, I have one question for you. And I said, oh, yes, sir. I said, what's that question? He goes, why did God save you and not my son? And I thought for a second, and I was like, okay, this is a very interesting question. And so I was speaking on, again, my journey with attempted suicide and stuff like that. And I looked at him and I said, you know, that's a question I can't answer because I can't. No one can. Um, But we had a long conversation. And to this day, I still speak to him occasionally. He is now helping other people, parents that have walked through what he's walked through, through the viewpoint of here's how God has helped me. And so when you talk about responsibility is I don't share things to say, look at me or look what I went through. I share things because it's my responsibility to share where God's allowed me to go and where God has helped me and put people in my path and so forth. So when I speak about it, it's not about me. It's about the journey. And so my responsibility is to share the journey so others can hear. Now, as in this case, this gentleman now is speaking to parents who've lost children due to suicide. He still struggles. He still wants to understand. We all would. But sometimes it's not our it's not our place to understand. It's a difficult conversation to have. But now he's able to take what he has walked through to help others. Now he's taking that responsibility and sharing with others of the grace and the love and so forth. Incredible. As you're sharing that, what so what comes to mind, um, Mike, is you know, I introduced you as a leader, but really what comes to mind right now is servant leadership, like servant leader. Um, and, and yeah, for, so forever I'm going to think of you as servant later because of, of what you described in your interactions. So I, I would like to say thank you. Um, and yeah, just encourage you in that. And it reminds me 
So I first heard that term probably, well, I don't know when first, but I, I started my coaching journey through Christian Businessmen's Connection back in 2014 is where I got my first, did my first coach training. And they talked about servant leadership. And, you know, it ties back to what you're talking about before. How did Jesus lead? And he asked like 307, you know, in the New Testament, he asked about 307 questions. And he gave very few like direct instructions that, that, that we know, right? He was always just questioning, getting to know, um, getting to know people better. And I, that's what you do. That's what you've described. When did you begin um, to communicate that way, to embody that type of, of leadership style? You know, I, I think there's, it was a blend of during the time through my divorce, as I walked through that, but I will, I will say that it probably came after that through my walk of mental and the things I just shared to where my wife, who I'm married to now, you know, she, she's the one that stuck by my side. And so she'd allow me to see a lot of different things and it's helped me through that. And so with our studies and with our walk and hasn't always been perfect, um, you know, the decisions her and I made probably were always the best. Well, I know weren't the best, but you know, it was, it was her by my side to allow me to see a different view of me um, by her asking questions, which then tied back into my leadership role, which tied, I mean, it, so it's all tied back in from that perspective. And then most importantly, I mean, I tie it back to, to the people she introduced me to, you know, Quint Studer. We, if you, you know, Quint, you know, yep. she introduced me to Quint and Quint, you know, asked me certain questions and him and I got to become, um, good friends. And, and, and I know he's friends with a lot of people, but the things I've learned from Quint, Bert Thornton, who was the, you know, retired, basically, I think he was the CEO of Waffle House for many, many years. And so for his mentorship, so it's, it's, again, it goes back to what I said, you never know who's going to be in your path to help you. So I tie it back to eight years ago when I walked through that journey. And then as I walked through it, as I was learning, probably two years after that into my leadership role, I realized I need to be it, it needs to look more like this. Um, but there's been a lot of studying, a lot of reading. Um, you know, my, I'm finishing up my, I'm finishing up my master's in management leadership. And so it's, it's a lot of things that I have learned over the years, not just from books and so forth, but from other people that I continue to apply into my role today. Cool. 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 What, um, how much do you have left in, in school? So I have, I hopefully will be done um, at the end of next year. So I have like nine classes left. I think nine classes, eight or nine classes left. So hopefully I will be done then. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been a fun journey so far. I learned a lot. So I'm, I love education. Um, it's just, I don't know why, but it's just something I've always enjoyed, enjoyed learning. Yeah. So, and so you got, time left in that you you lead a sales team uh your husband you're a dad how do you how do you structure your week so that everybody and everything gets the attention it needs 
So a lot of prioritize. So, you know, throughout the day, I start my days early. I start my days probably around 5.30 a.m. As um, that's when my day starts. And so my wife and I, we go for a walk every morning. I used to be a big runner, but the older I get, my knees and hips just won't allow that to, to happen, especially after so many years of college ball. So, you know, that's so we do that. And then I come in and, and then I have my quiet time. Then I have my work time. But throughout the day, I have blocks on my calendar where I call it Mike's time. And so Mike's time is where I either study or I do whatever it is I need to do for Mike and to just set us things aside. And I know this is going to sound crazy as, as I'll get out, but I also have on my calendar, call my kids. Because we all always put important things on our calendar, right? We put our meetings on our calendars. We put our appointments on our calendar. So why wouldn't we put the most important thing is our family. So I have times on my calendar is, hey, reach out to my youngest daughter who's in college. Reach out to my oldest daughter. Reach out to my middle daughter. So I'm constantly either texting or calling throughout the, you know, through the, through the week. So they're getting dad time. My grandkids will at night, they'll FaceTime. So they'll get pops and cocoa time. So that's what they call <laughs> um, my wife and I. So we, we get to do that. But most importantly, we also have time aside because one thing I didn't mention is the masters that I'm going through, my wife and I are doing it together. So we decided to do it together. And so that, can, you know, that gives us that time together when we sit in our office and we're studying and writing papers and all that. So we're having conversations. So it, it's literally, and with her schedule, she's busy as I'll get out. I'll get out. She's flying everywhere. She's going different places for her, for her work. So it is, it's just making sure that we have those, that uh, time allotted on our calendars, no, and protecting it. You know, if someone called and said, Hey, Mike, you know, I need a, a meeting with you from 1130 between 1130 to one. My answer is no, that's Mike's time. Sorry. When is there another day or another time? And I protect it. Or if I'm talking to my kids at night, Hey, can we meet? No, sorry. Right now, this is the time for, for me to call my children. So that's. You so you bring up a good point. A calendar it right. Get get it in the calendar, um, but then that protection piece I think is so important. I, I talk to a lot of people who who do struggle with this balance. Like they feel like man, they're eighty hours at work, and um, but it's that it's the protection piece. It doesn't do any good to put it in the calendar if you don't honor it and treat it like an appointment. No different than a doctor or your attorney or or anything else. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. No, absolutely. And it's, there's, so I learned that through a, there's a book called dream big and it's called, it's by Bob Goff. So last name G O F F. And one of the things that he talks about is what are you, so what day of the week are you going to pick something to quit? And I'm like, mm. I'm not a quitter. I don't want to quit anything. What is it? But it's. What is that one thing that you're going to give up each week? And so he talks about through his journey, you know, he quit his law firm. He had an established law firm. And one day on a Thursday, he walked in and just quit. And so each day, each Thursday, or you know, it's, it's what are you going to put aside? And I do the same thing now. So I have with the company I work for, people will ask me, hey, can you meet with this person? Or you meet with this person. Can you mentor here? Or can you do this? And I hate the word mentor because it, then it puts mentee mentors. Just, can you have a conversation with someone? And Sometimes I say no. I, I just say no. It's it's like, why do we need two pockets in our pants? 
why do we need two? And so take one side of it and cut it off because the only thing, the things that you do need, you can put in one pocket. You don't need to. And so that's the mindset of where I go, where I just keep it relevant and I keep it very minimum of what, and I protect my time. Cool. So I'm chuckling about the pants pocket analogy. I don't know that I'm ready to go cut off one pocket, but that's a, that's a great analogy. Like how, how much stuff do we need in, in our, in our day, on our calendar, in our life when, yeah. Yeah. Say no. Say no. And it's okay to say no. And so many, and I'm tying it back into to real life and leadership. You know, sometimes within an organization, you don't want to say no. You don't want to say no because you want to make sure that you're doing all the things to be seen. Even in life, you don't want to, you know, with your friends, you don't want to say no. You don't want to hurt someone's feelings. But in reality is, you've got to protect you. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, you know what? I cannot do this. But I know someone that would be very helpful for you. Again, it goes back putting people in and realize you're not out there. You can't fix and do everything, but you are, you do know people that can help also. So rely on your sources, rely on your friends, rely on others to help, but protect your time. That's a great point. You don't have to be the resource as long as you've got resources you can draw on or direct them to. Um, Absolutely. You can, you can still help and, and, and protect your time. Absolutely. And, and trust me, as someone who is myself, I love helping others. Not always good at it. Look, and I'm not putting myself on any type of pedestal. Look, I, I have screwed up probably more than I've done anything good. Um, but the thing is, I love coaching. I love helping. I love talking to others. But I only have so many hours in a day. And most mm-hmm. importantly, what comes first is my is is protecting my quiet time, protecting time I have set aside for me, for my mental mental growth and protecting this for my wife's time that I have set aside for her and my kids. So, so real quick, I'm going to, well, we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but just you made me think of something that quiet time and mental health. Tell me what that, what's the relationship between the two? So for me, my quiet time is how I energize. So it's literally me plugging back into the electrical source as I'm re-energizing my battery. And so I do that during my quiet time in the morning and throughout the day. So some people say, okay, I'm going to do that at night because your batteries are drawn down at night. For me, I'm, I'm a more of an early person than I am a late person. By eight o'clock, I'm in bed. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm ready to get to sleep. And so, you know, so for me, that's that. So from the mental health perspective of how it works together is now I'm, I'm getting my energy from my source to where I plug into, but throughout the day, I have that time to where I set aside and go, okay, what is it that I'm struggling with today? What is it that I'm walking through? And so I may be reading a different book. I may be, uh, it may be a time where I call a friend of mine who we walk through the same journey together. And so it just allows me to have conversations either A, through a book, and I journal a lot. So I write a lot. I journal a lot. I do podcast. I mean, you know, sometimes I do podcasts like what I'm doing with you, with others, and then I have a YouTube. So I get on YouTube and I just talk. And I don't think anybody listens, but it's good for me. 
And so it just helps me just lay it out there. So it, for me, it's one of the things I've learned through my journey with mental health. And this goes for everybody, but mostly it, it, it goes a lot for men. We have a tendency to push things down. We want to we want to push things down and hold it down. And because we want to portray that, okay, we can handle this. But finally, it's like a volcano. Eventually, it's going to explode. And that's really with anybody. But for me, throughout that journey of quiet time, plus looking at it from it, it gives me that time to, to release it, to let it go, to talk about it. And once I let it go, I let it go. You know, my, my wife gets on to me all the time. And we, we were watching um, Andy Stanley the other night. <laughs> and we got tickled about this. Because sometimes in arguments, once I say I'm sorry, I'm done. I'm good. I've done my part. I've said I'm sorry. And I moved on, right? Well, my wife's not so much moved on yet. But I expect her to move on. Because I've said I'm sorry. Well, in reality is, have I had a conversation? Have we got it out? Have we really mm -hmm. talked through it? Or is it just me saying I'm sorry because I know that I need to say I'm sorry because I didn't. I did screw up. So now I'm moving on. But the reason I do that is because a lot of times I want to push it down and I don't want to discuss it because when you discuss it, then you have to have some kind of action behind it. So she holds me accountable for that. That's awesome. Yeah. How often? Yeah. I'm just something Yeah, we say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Almost as an escape. I, I don't know if that's the right word, uh, but no, like, it is. this could be hard work. If I don't get out of this quick, I'll just say, I'm sorry. Uh, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned YouTube. You have a YouTube channel that that we can find you at. Yeah, I do. Um, literally, if you go in and type, I mean, type in Mike Bodie. If you type in Mike Bodie into YouTube, it should pop up. I, I wish I had it right here in front of me. I don't. Um, shame on me for for not. But you can't help to not miss my big old mug on it, and so. When you look at it, it's it's more so on leadership. I'll, I'll, okay. So it it is on leadership of what I talk about. But if you type in Mike Bodie, you you will be able to find it. All right. And so we can find you on YouTube at Mike Bodie. You've given us some some great I think reading opportunities. The Energy Bus by John Gordon uh, was one book you mentioned. You mentioned Dream Big by Bob Goff, and you mentioned uh, Lead Like Jesus. And would that should, don't know the author, but that should be an easy one to find. As we as we get ready to wrap up, two things. Um, where else could people connect with you? If somebody wants to reach out and talk to you, if they've got questions, if they're like, how do we get a hold of you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you can either uh, look, go on LinkedIn, and you can find me there, and you can shoot me a message via LinkedIn if you have LinkedIn. If not, you can definitely email me at mikebodie18. So that's M I K E B O D I E eighteen at gmail.com. So you can email me there. You can go to LinkedIn. If you find my YouTube, you can subscribe there. You can send a message from that perspective. So there's, and I'm also on Twitter. So Mike Bodie, if you type in Mike Bodie, there I am on Twitter. So, so there's multiple ways you can find me. Cool, cool, cool. As as we wrap up, what would you leave our listeners with? Either either a question that we should all be thinking about, or or maybe um, maybe a piece of of wisdom that we should all take with us? I think the biggest thing that I would love 
for people to think through each day. And this is something that I, I also think through is the person you come in contact today. Are they going to leave that conversation better than they were when they started it? And by having that conversation will be, they be better tomorrow than they were today. So what impact are you having on people that you come in contact with each and every day? What is that impact that you want to leave them with? Love that. That is a perfect thought for the day and it gives us all something to, to noodle on. So thanks so much, Mike. Uh, time is precious. Uh, I consider yours a very, very wonderful gift. So thank you so much. And listeners, likewise, uh, thanks for tuning in. Your time is also a gift. Remember, whatever, whatever big dreams you have, whatever vision God has placed on your heart, remember that you can. Until next time, peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.